0: to our podcast. I'm Rachel Day, I'm the founder of Flying School. We're a not-for-profit and our aim is to capture the imagination of children, to help them learn how to fly, develop their confidence and learn how to help each other fly. On these podcasts I'll be interviewing a range of different people, asking them to share their stories on what helped them fly and what stopped them so that we can all figure out how to do it ourselves and get some tips and ideas on how we can help our children fly. Really hope you enjoy it. So welcome everybody to this next episode of Learning to Fly. I'm so excited to introduce two guests today, Marianne Perez and Gabriela Maldonado. Marianne is originally from Spain and has been living in the UK for the past 26 years. She is a master certified coach and leadership consultant. Marianne founded her own company Coach U almost 14 years ago with a focus on helping people become clearer thinkers and better leaders. She works all over the world as a consultant and coach for a variety of organizations and several of the world's top business schools. Gabriella immigrated to the US from Mexico at the age of 15, she devoted her entire career to steward human beings towards the freedom to excel, to strive for excellence and inner peace by unlocking their own wisdom. During the past 26 years, she's worked with nonprofits, government agencies and private industries as a consultant and leadership coach in the US, Latin America and Europe. Her work embodies the profound truth in the confidence that one is not merely good enough, but rather above and beyond. Her message is clear, you are exactly what is necessary. She currently lives in the Silicon Valley where she was certified as a clinical practitioner and a lead trainer by the Santa Clara County in 1999. Now, I first met Marianne almost nine years ago on a course which was my first introduction to the thinking environment. Marianne has been my incredible learning partner, colleague, coach and friend ever since. Whenever I'm with her, I walk away wiser, often with a profound insight that changes my whole view of the world and actually helps me feel lighter. As you can imagine, I'm so excited that she's joining me in this conversation and she's kindly invited her business partner and friend Gabriella to join us. I met Gabriella for the first time just a few months ago and it's her warm and encouraging presence that has stayed with me ever since we were introduced. Marianne and Gabriella's vision is for people to thrive at their jobs, and act from inspiration, ingenuity and a sense of possibility. They achieve this by coaching leaders on the human factor, which dictates success or failure, struggle or ease, creativity or limitation, so they can pass it on to their teams, organisations and society. Wouldn't it be amazing if we knew how to teach this to our children? so this is why they're here today so welcome to you both and is there anything else that you wanted to say by way of introduction today
1: wow that was so beautiful thank you rachel and uh, for my part just to say that it's such a joy and privilege to be here with you today thank you for inviting us i'm so looking forward to it
0: thank you marianne
2: well you know I I think for me one of the things that really inspired me to be with you today was your commitment to teaching people how to fly and so I think there was a a mutual um, sense of hope that that we felt when we were chatting so I really am really looking forward to our conversation today
0: Thank you, thank you both. So why don't we get into it? And, and I think it's probably useful for us to just think about what do we even mean by flying. So maybe that's a good place to start. I don't know if either of you two would like to share what you mean by flying.
1: Well, we were wondering what you meant by flying <laughs> <laughs> by
0: flying) <laughs> definitely thank you okay I think that's a really good challenge and and it's one that I think I've been practicing and improving and taking words out of for the last three years so I'll tell you what I my latest thinking is on what I mean by flying but it it does you know it's one of those things that's emerging and evolving all the time but I think what I'm learning is that flying is a feeling and it's it's a feeling that that we are understood by others and that we are valued. So when we're flying, we seem to have this permission to be ourselves. And I think we know ourselves well, we can't fly without um, having done some of that work on understanding who we are and and what we bring and what we love and and what passions we have and our natural strengths. So I I think, Flying is a feeling which is about who we are as individuals and about almost having a sense of belonging inside. So this feeling is of feeling belonging is loud enough to overcome some of the critics that go on on the outside of the world, if that makes sense. So when we're flying, we have the opportunity to push our boundaries and discover our potential so i often describe it as a feeling of groundedness and invincibility at the same time i don't know i don't know how that sounds to you both
2: you know i think one of the things that resonates with me from what you said is the feeling mm-hmm. the feeling of lightheartedness um the feeling of possibilities the feeling of um, being well, uh, the feeling of playing with life and uh, being inspired and excited to go and reach. Uh, so that's uh, what really resonated with me. It's. It's definitely a fuel. It's maybe the feeling of fuel that uh, empowers us to live life um, fully, as fully
0: as we can. So that's what really resonated with me. I, I love that. Thank you, Gabriella. Right. I'm just gonna check with Marianne. How about you, Marianne? Is that how you would describe flying or would you choose different words?
1: Um, yes, for me, flying is that sense of being in tune with life and at ease in myself. Mm. And it, it feels effortless, um, even if there is work to do, there is, there is a sense of ease and and being okay uh, with with ourselves and with how things are that's what flying how I would describe flying.
0: Oh so I love these um, descriptions and I, and I find them so... They resonate so much, you know, this feeling of lightness, this feeling of ease and being in tune. Um, And then what you were saying, Gabriella, about almost having the fuel to, you know, it's almost this feeling of having the fuel and the energy to Mm -hmm. be our best selves. So my thoughts are, are either of you flying? And if you are, how did you get there? How did you learn to fly? (laughs) You know, this is a great question because I think what
2: Marin and I have been uh, experiencing more, more recently since we started collaborating together. And we have been collaborating for a while, but more recently, I think we uh, we've been doing it more. And it's been, for me, at least an amazing experience of putting things together for work and for our project and having so much fun, you know, living, well, we'll see what Marian says. (laughs) Marian may have a completely different experience of this, (laughs) but it's been um, rejuvenating to play with our creativity, uh, to take ourselves lightly, to To innovate and to step in, not knowing, but come out with something of value, and and having a certainty that as we are present, we have uh, the gift of really listening to to our wisdom and to our sense of innovation, so. I would absolutely say yes, particularly, you know, I think as I think about our collaboration lately. Marian, I would love to hear from you. (laughs) This might be completely different. She might say, no, I hate it.
1: (laughs) Yes, um, you know, I I completely agree, completely agree. And, And what has been remarkable for me has been this this sense of really sometimes not knowing where we're going or what we're up to but but just staying with it and then seeing seeing creativity happen and new things arise out of that that i completely couldn't have planned and being surprised i have i have this sense very often of being surprised at, at where we end up, what comes out of our conversations. So so yes, definitely. And at the same time, it's not a constant feeling. It comes and sometimes it goes, and that's that's more and more I can see that that's part of it. Mm-hmm. And not, not getting to disturbed when it's not there is is definitely part of flying for me as well
0: well i love what you just said there and i'm just going to touch on that because i think um, sometimes we can see flying as being finite we're either flying or we're not and i think what you're saying saying there marion is actually if it's a feeling it's not there a hundred percent of the time it comes and goes and learning that that's what it does helps us fly. So actually, one of the things that can stop us flying is if we're trying to hold on to that feeling, maybe too much and make that feeling present in our lives. Uh,
2: Absolutely, you know, in actually in our time that we spent reflecting to be with you today, that was one of the things that we wanted to, to talk about is that When we don't have that feeling, we have a tendency to make things up about it. You know, like I'm doing wrong. I have to work harder. Um, Here I go again. You know, here I go again with whatever habit we have. And so we would like to propose that when we don't have that feeling, it means absolutely nothing about us or about our capacity to fly, or about our capacity to stay grounded as well. You know, like fly, like planes fly, or sometimes they stay grounded. But when they stay grounded, they don't lose their ability to take off either. And so we wanted to say that because we have um, felt that this is one of the greatest misconceptions that there is out there. And I would say it in the world of coaching and in the world of psychology, that we make a problem out of not having the feeling. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: When indeed it is, as far as we can see, because we have um, spent a lot of time reflecting and exploring and researching, there might be a human being that we don't know that is a hundred percent of the time in this high level mood all the time. To us today, well, to me today, it just seems like human beings have the feeling and then sometimes they don't and that that is part of the human condition. And so one of the the most powerful things that we have experienced is resting uh, sure, that if we don't feel inspired, you know, to reach for the stars, that that capacity has gone nowhere. It's just at the moment we cannot see it and we cannot feel it. And that was really powerful for us, Rachel. I don't know, and if you want to add something to this.
1: Yes, I, I really enjoy hearing you speak about this, Gabriela, because I, I can hear that you, you, you feel it in your bones. And I know, mm-hmm of the way that that um you are around me when I start to lose it <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but um, I love that bit about it's part of it's part of our human condition it's it's universal for everyone that sometimes we don't feel like fly like we can fly sometimes we we wonder if we'll ever fly again or if that was if that was just a fluke when it happened. Mm. And, um, and that, that can create a lot of disruption, internal disruption. Um, but what's very interesting is what Gabriela was saying before, which is when we get present again, which sooner or later we do, because that's, that's our natural state, is, is presence. So when we get present again, we just, we, we then have what we need to fly. So it looks like there is neutral, going back to neutral is going back to, again, noticing every, that we have everything we need. Mm-hmm. Even though at times it doesn't look like it is there, but, but it's, it's, it's there. It's there all the time. And that's why it keeps resurfacing every time we find ourselves present again. Hmm. And I think that's so important for children and for adults, but particularly for children that they can start recognizing that in themselves and in people around them.
0: That is is really um, inspirational to me on a number of fronts, because I think, it I'm wondering if it's about expectation. So we we expect that once we've, once we know, once we have that feeling of flying, that that's it, we've got it now. And the minute we lose it, we are, just what you were saying, we become a bit scared. Will we ever find it again? Um, was that a fluke um, that we were able to be ourselves in that moment and what if we could never, find that energy or that fuel again and it and it can be scary when when that's not there and I think what you're saying is it's scary because our expectation is it should be there all the time but actually it isn't it's a constant um sort of there and then not there and, that, and it is for all of humankind it's not about how great you are at holding on to that feeling and I'm thinking about uh, this on a couple of fronts, because I think when it's not there, I really want to ask you both what, what we do in that moment of uncertainty, of unknownness. Um, what do we do? Because I think what I do is I try and find it again. And I put maybe too much energy into trying to fly. <laughs> then I, I'm I'm trying too hard and I do the opposite. So what do we do? when it's not there? What, what's your experience of how we cope when, when we're in the, the moment of not seeing that we can fly? Okay.
1: Well, what we have experienced, Rachel, and I think many other people experiences is, is exactly what you're referring to, which is our, our first, what we try to do first is to fix that feeling because we, we think if we are feeling differently, then, then we are flying and then it's fine. There is something wrong with not feeling it. So we try to fix it, or we may become difficult towards others, or we may become judgmental towards ourselves. Actually, we call that, what do we call it, uh, Gabriela? We can be... Uh,
2: we can be a pain to others
1: on the butt,
2: pain on the butt to others yes.
1: yes or we can kick our butt. yes we can really <laughs> kick the butt or we can kick our butt. <laughs> and we've got all these all these things that we do which are which could be like changing gear. We try to change gear to find the, to find neutral. But actually actually what if there is nothing to fix? what what if actually we we can start looking towards our ability to have new ideas, our own genius, our own ingenuity, that from where all ideas and possibilities come from and check, well, what else could I do here? What other possibilities are there in this situation? So it's, instead of changing gear, it's finding neutral again and getting in touch with our resourcefulness, our innate ability to um, to have insight, um, to be resourceful, and, and, and to find the balance again.
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because there is a fundamental question, I think, for us in that situation. And... The fundamental question is what is, what are the gifts of our soul? What are we born with that we can count on? What is natural to humans? What's our essence as beings? I think once we understand that, as Marin was saying, we lean on something different, right? So one of the things that has helped me tremendously is to understand that as a human being, we're born with certain things innately. We're born with a capacity for wisdom. We're born with a capacity for innovation, as Maria was saying, to be creative, to be resourceful. And we can see that. We can see that in all human beings, regardless of your culture, right? Regar- regardless of your education, regardless of the country that you're in, we have a great capacity to come up with new ideas. And if we just look at last year, you know, the year of pandemic and COVID. We can see that, right? We started working, everybody started working in Zoom. Everybody started working remotely. Everybody started just adjusting to what was needed in the moment.
0: Yeah.
2: So I think if we don't know that, if we don't know that there's a core of us that it is unchangeable, uh, natural and permanent, if we don't understand that it's very understandable that we would do anything we can, right? We would start drinking, we would start shopping, we would start yelling, we would start reading books, we would start looking in all directions for the feeling. So for me, that is the most um, foundational understanding as a human being, particularly, when I'm not able to see that. So, um, of course, I'm not able to see that all the time. Of course, I have moments of insecurity. Of course, I have moments of, oh my gosh, you know, do I really, do I really know what I'm doing, right? There are moments where um, things seem big to me. Projects seem like, whoa, well, complex, right? When I remember, and I understand what I was just telling you about, there is a sense of, this is what you're experiencing in this moment. That's it, period. And what happens is that my profound knowing that this is what human beings are Has really allowed me to glide, you know, just kind of like okay, this is this is what's happening. I'm not feeling well. Yes, this is this is what's happening in this moment, but not trying to get something that's already in me, it's just that I cannot see it, right? So there is a peace of mind. In knowing that if I don't feel that I'm wise, or if I don't feel I'm resourceful, or if I don't feel like I could reach for life, that that by itself means nothing. Kind of like you know, wind, when there's wind or there's rain, we know that it's going to go through. We know that we know how it works. We know how it works. So that actually allows us to experience whatever we're experiencing with a sense of this is a problem and this means something about me Mm -hmm. or about my ability to fly. I don't know if that answers your, your question, Rachel. I love to hear if it does or if it doesn't.
0: Well, I think it does. I'm just what I might do is just play back what I think I've understood, and then you can tell me if I've if I'm on the right page. So, I think what I'm hearing is that in order to learn to fly, there is um, we need to access a, a knowledge within ourselves that we have everything we need to fly already. So we're going to tap into that fundamental understanding of. I already have everything I need to fly. In this moment, I can't see it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But that doesn't mean to say it's not there. And actually, this moment will will move on to the next moment. And maybe while I'm in this moment of not seeing it, I don't try and fix it. I stay with it. I, I look at what I can do in this moment, what the other possibilities are, and I wait for it to return as opposed to try and fix it. Now, am I describing that in the right way?
2: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, if we refer back to children, we see that this is how they function naturally. Mm-hmm. Like they can be really, really upset, you know, in the playground if they're really little. They can even punch each other, take each other's do not punch each other, <laughs> but maybe take a toy away from another kid but they can get really upset Mm -hmm. and what happens they don't try to fix it they don't try to release their feeling they don't try to become more understanding right they experience what they're experiencing and a few moments after they're back at play so I think when we understand that it actually allows us to live in accordance with how we lived life when we were very young, which allows us to just move and glide, let's just say, glide through our states of mind and experiences. Maria, I don't know if do you want to add anything? Yeah. And
1: um, it, it's it's very common when we, we we don't see our ability to fly that we start, start identifying with that part of ourselves, like almost like the worst version that shows up sometimes when we don't see that uh, that, that we've got really everything we need. And, and it's also common that we may do the same with others, mm-hmm. whether it is uh, children or our partner or our colleague, and we just peak on those times when they, they were in a low mood, in a low feeling state. And, and, and I think that's very, it's very human, very human thing to do. I think it happens to all of us, but also um, it's very helpful to, to recognize that that's only one season. Like the winter is only one season. There are another three seasons and we all go through all of them every year and they move on on their own. And to to be able to see children through the eyes of, this is only one flavor, one season, something that's being expressed at the moment and seeing through that, I think is very, very helpful for young people. And I can can really remember as a child, clearly the people that saw me as resourceful and and whole. Mm. And and the people that didn't, innocently, very very, very likely, I, I suspect. But I remember them and I remember how I felt around them.
0: How, how did you feel around them, Marianne? What, what were they doing that, that was different?
1: Well, um, so I remember, for example, um, when I was in fifth grade, which in Spain is around 10 years old, my teacher, mathematics, well, I actually was a teacher for everything. At that time, we had the same teacher for all subjects. He, he had a heart attack at the very early in the year. So he, he was off for the rest of that academic year. And the new t- teacher came in and his name was Don Miguel. And I had not been interested in a school so far at all. I didn't do any homework. I was not interested. <clears throat> I thought I couldn't get it. Um, I hated mathematics, which is why it came up in my mind immediately. <laughs> And this and, but this new teacher didn't know that. He didn't have any history about me. So when he came in, and, and I don't know if it was also his approach to be with children, I have no idea, but I remember feeling with him that a sense of hope and possibility, mm. that maybe I was not fixed as a student already at the age of, age of 10 which I did feel before. I, it was in my, in my eyes, I could hear it around me, like, oh no, she doesn't like to study, oh no, she's not good at maths, oh no, whatever. But yeah, so I felt, I felt lighter and a sense of hope, and, and I felt enthused to work and, and to prove him right. I wanted to prove him right. So yeah, that's, that, that's, my, that's my experience.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I i would love to hear yours as well gabriela
2: yeah you know it's interesting because i think for both of us uh it was teachers and thank you to all the teachers that are listening to this because i think often we don't say thank you you know we get deeply impacted by them but we just life passes us by so if you're a teacher and you're listening this thank you um <clears throat> i was a good student and then my father got murdered and then i was not a good student um and i had two experiences with six grade teachers so one of them well i was born and raised in mexico as you mentioned and so in the morning we took all our subjects in spanish and in the afternoon we took subjects in english and um I was not doing well, really. And um, my English teacher called my mother and she told her, you know, there are some kids that I could tell you that they don't like to learn. They don't like to study or they're distractible or, you know, but your daughter is not that your daughter will never learn to speak English. And I remember hearing that even now, Rachel, as I'm telling you the story, I remember my heart sinking. And she was right. I did not learn in her class. In great contrast, there was Miss Conchita, uh, which was my sixth grade Spanish teacher. And she welcomed me in the classroom like any other kid you know, not the kid that had this horrible thing happen to to her. Um, I loved to talk, you know. I I love to talk now and I love to talk then. And she had a challenge with me because, you know, I was a talker and so she would put me in the back, she would put me in the center. To finally, she put me right next to her desk. And around her, I learned. There was a sense of capacity. I remember when I walked into the classroom, she'd say, buenos dias, Gabriela, you know, good morning. And I was like, hey, good morning. And I felt that she knew that even though my grades were not reflecting it at the moment, and even though this had happened to me, that I had lost nothing in my ability to learn. And so I did. And, and, you know, it's kind of like the same thing that we were talking about before. There was, there sometimes in life, it looks like there is plenty of evidence that we can't fly, right? Like our performance is not so well or our grades or whatever. And we look at that and we make a point, you know, there's something wrong here. When anyone, And in this case, uh, teachers were able to see beyond that, not having that in their mind. It really, it really was so helpful. And I'm grateful, you know, there's been a few people in my life uh, that have had that stance at a time where I could not see it for myself. And for me, there is nothing as powerful as somebody seeing your essence and your wisdom and your innovative capacity, even when there is plenty of evidence that maybe you're in trouble. I mean, that is, even as an adult, it's been so powerful.
0: Gosh, I feel um, like you've both, you've just given me spine tingling stories there. Um, and I'm so grateful for you sharing them because I think there's so, so much richness to them, isn't there, that um, so powerful what you said just then that even when there is plenty of evidence to say this person can't fly, we still believe they can. And I'm, I'm thinking about, is it Mrs. Conchita, did you say, Gabri? Mrs.
2: Conchita, yes, that was from you, Mrs. Conchita. If
0: <laughs> you're listening, wow, because um, I think that, you know, in my experience, we very quickly label each other Um, It's almost like it's a night, it's like the mind feels relaxed if it's got a label, so that person's good at maths, that person will go far, that person will amount to nothing, that person will do this. It's almost like we make these judgment calls all the time, most of them without enough information, sometimes with lots of information, but not able to see beyond the surface or not even willing to look beyond the surface. And how damaging that can be to helping kids learn to fly, because how who are we to label anybody at any age? Never mind the labels that we were given when we were younger. So you know, I I often tell this story that, um, and it's a really little one. But I I was I think I was about eight, and I was in class, and we were doing a project as the class, and we um, the teacher said we need. Um, somebody that can cut straight don't give it to Rachel
1: Mm.
0: and I never so obviously that affected me but I don't remember going home and talking about it I don't remember externally being affected but what I do know is that from that day on I decided I couldn't cut straight and even as an adult you know pasting wallpaper I would give it to other people can you just cut this because I can't cut straight so my narrative was there I never challenged it. I never questioned it. It was just there. Now that's a tiny thing, but I think we've got to remember that it is sometimes the tiny things, the tiny throwaway labels or judgments that we make that can really impact. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just wanted to repeat what you were saying—that you know, when when the evidence is stacked against us not being able to fly, to remember that this is only one flavor. This is Mm -hmm. only one moment in time and there are loads of flavors and I think as a parent we can get scared that our child we don't we feel overly responsible to help our child fly and if we see all the evidence stacked against I think we can get scared and we forget that it's just one flavor it's not the whole person so I think that's been hugely helpful to me.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah you know um I don't think we do this purposefully. I don't think we do it you know, with malice. I think it's really common uh, to come up with a judgment or to believe that how we are seeing ourselves in this moment is how we are all the time. That's why for me it has been foundational to understand what are the key gifts of of the soul, the human soul, you know, this, or you can call it the essence. If that doesn't resonate with you, the essence of humanity, or uh, what are some of the psychological gifts that we have? And I worked with a teacher, Rachel, um, that she she came from a very good university in the states, and she was teaching math, and she asked for all the kids that were failing. And I remember her class was after recess, right? So for those of you that are teachers or that have worked in school, you know that math after recess is horrendous. And what I saw is I saw human beings being transformed in six months or whatever, you know, in one semester. These were kids that had... um, issues with uh, the law, they have probation officers, they have social workers, you know, they were in gangs, but, you know, all this stuff. And they were not good learners. They had a lot of evidence that they were not good at school. And this woman, Mrs. Thomas, she understood something about what we're talking about and treated each one of them as a scholar. And so, in six months, these kids were transformed. You know, actually, they would sometimes skip school, come to her class, and leave. So, there was something super powerful about, about Mrs. Thomas understanding that just because there are, I don't know, 11 years of evidence against you as a student that it does not diminish the probability, the fact, the possibility of you becoming a great student. You know, like Marin was saying in her story, so, um, you're asking, what can we do? We can remember. You know, we can go back to the basics and remember what's most foundational to a human being. And it is, our capacity to fly
0: and actually what you were saying then is that it, you know you if we get into our top tips at this point for parents or teachers i think what i heard you say is actually they she treated them as if they were scholars so she didn't make a decision beforehand this is going to be a disaster these people you know how many times do we walk into a room when we've already made that assumption we've already made a decision and so how we teach or parent or is all linked to that thing we've decided for ourselves Um, so just you know her job was to teach them so she assumed them to be scholars and that is what helped them fit and i think it's about treating people children everybody equally not not making decisions about about them that we just aren't qualified to make because we can never see that whole picture
1: yes yeah, so what what we are proposing really is that everybody is born able to fly with everything that we need to fly and that includes um, the ability to have new ideas, being ingenious, having insight, changing our minds, gaining a new perspective on a situation, feeling warmth towards someone we didn't like before, or showing up differently in life, whether it is as a student or as a parent. We see this happening all the time around us and in ourselves. Plus, sooner or later, no no matter what we're going through, sooner or later, we feel better because our neutral is a state of of well-being. When we go back to neutral, we go back to well-being. And so that's, that's what we are, I don't know even if we are proposing, this is what we see as a fact. That is universal for everybody no matter where you live or what your position in life is or whether you're a child or an adult it doesn't matter your background your education your beliefs about yourself your anything anything at all everybody has got the everything that they need to fly and when we see that in each other In particular, we're talking about children. When we see that in our children, that is very helpful. So that particularly at the times when they don't see it themselves.
0: That's brilliant, Marianne. And And I think that's the thing to remember is I think you've both touched on that, that there are times when we can't see it ourselves. And having other people see it when we can't see it for ourselves is helping us to fly will help us to fly and i'm just wondering about when that happens i'm just picturing you know when there'll be times when my son thought he he couldn't fly and i could see it but he didn't believe me you know because he couldn't see it so again i'm just wondering practically as a parent how how do i show him that he has that ability to fly when he can't see it and isn't willing to look maybe? You know, um, my mother,
2: uh, I don't know, she never sat down with me, Rachel, and said, okay, honey, you know, you're able to fly. She never quite did that. I just remember a feeling of certainty that I got when she looked at me. You know, so if we're saying that this is a feeling, if that's what we're saying, I mean, there are many possibilities, right? Like you can sit down with your child, you can have coffee or not coffee, no, of course not coffee, ice cream or, you know, a tea or whatever, right? Um, Whatever it is we do with children and with each other or for each other, I think it could vary What's fundamental is for us to truly understand this. Right? If, because when we truly understand it, there is a feeling, like the feeling that Marian was talking about, you know, or that I was talking about, that we got around our teachers, that possibility. I think that's the word you use, Marian, or wanting to, to learn. So I think you can do, I mean, there are so many things that we can do, because we're creative. What will be helpful often is the, the feeling we experience, we emanate, because people can't pick that up. You know, and, and the opposite is true. You can tell somebody no yes you can do it but not believe it Uh, and you know particularly i think kids are good at picking up if you're telling them the truth or if you're not
0: i think you're just spot on there gabriella and um so actually it's not about needing to say the right thing or even do the right thing it's about us reminding ourselves that they are born with the capacity to fly and that they will fly and um and they will be grounded at times and then they will fly again and and actually the more that we are at ease with that feeling the more at ease they will be without us having to have done anything differently I love how you put it it's Mm -hmm. the way she looked at me it's not what she said to me it's the Mm -hmm. way she was with me it makes me think of the the quote by Maya Angelou that people don't remember what we said or or what we did; they remember how we made them feel.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, I want to add a little something here because I think it might be helpful to 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 adults. My mom was not a perfect mom at times. You know, um, after my dad got murdered, she started drinking, so she had alcoholism as a as an everyday activity (laughs) but you know this is what happened right so she was working a lot she was drinking when she got home she did cook you know she kept us in private school she would help us with homework she was not the perfect mom in that sense you know I want to say that because in spite of that when she looked at me I got this feeling of I mean, I've described it as I just got the sense that she saw the whole universe in me. And she was not, you know, like your behaviorally, she was not the kind of mom that we would think a person needs to have, a kid needs to have to learn how to fly. But Isn't it interesting that even with that, her certainty about about my capacity was so powerful. I mean, today it really is one of the things that has helped me to stay very grounded and resilient. And I wanted to say that because I think most adults You know we're not perfect and we we can get snappy or we can get moody or you know we have our things and that's okay we don't need to be perfect adults to help kids or even to help each other
0: absolutely yeah i i think that there is this um constant feeling of responsibility as parents or teachers that we do need to do everything right and we can't get it wrong. And um, so I love, because I, I don't think anybody could tell a story about a perfect mum or a perfect dad or a perfect teacher even, you know, but, but what there was, was this overriding feeling that we got from them and it was mm-hmm. that that helped us fly. Um, and that's so powerful. i um, I'm so grateful to you both on this particular we're we're going to split this podcast into two parts and um on this first part which is you know really talking about this notion of that everyone is born with the ability to fly I'm so grateful for you to both I've learned so much and and before we we continue to talk um is there anything else that either of you wanted to share before we before we close this first podcast
1: I would like to add that on that last point about not being a perfect parent, mm-hmm. that the same as children go through different different feeling states and sometimes can see they can fly and feel it, and sometimes they don't. Exactly the same happens to parents and, and to everybody. And sometimes we get things wrong as well, we forget. So it's, it, it's really the same for everyone, it's universal. And, and that, that I find very, very helpful to be able to, to stay in balance as well and, and not be too tough on myself when I forget.
0: Absolutely. So some of the things that I'm taking away just from this first conversation is to trust that we have everything we need and and so do our children. Um, To realize that 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 feeling of flying comes and goes. It isn't a constant. And the more we try and make it a constant, the harder it is to fly. Um, To really think about the labels that we give children and each other, the decisions and the judgments we make, and to remember that, that that's only part of them and part of that moment in time even, and it will pass. Um, and I think, yeah, the other thing that I'm, I've captured is this feeling of lightness that helps us fly and from what i've heard from you both it's just not taking ourselves too seriously like to really find that fun and that joy um which will help us return to our innate ability to fly yes thank you, rachel <laughs> absolutely thank you both. i can't wait for our next conversation look forward to uh talking to you again in part two of both of you thank you both so much So that's the end of part one of this special episode of Learning to Fly with Marianne and Gabriella. I really hope you've enjoyed it. In part two, I'm going to go on and ask them a bit more about the fact that if we are born with everything we need to fly, how come sometimes we don't feel it? What's their experience and understanding of what really stops us learning to fly? And what else have they learned through their work that might help children learn to fly? Really looking forward to getting more into the conversation with them both. So that's the end of our podcast for today. I really hope you've enjoyed our conversation. Please do give us some feedback and please feel free to share this podcast with as many people as you can so that we can all learn how to help children fly. If you would like more information, visit our website at www.flyingschool.fun. Look forward to seeing you next time.